We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On today's episode of the Pride Podcast, we have a very special guest. We have returning guest, Mr. Jordan Reed. Stops by in the podcast to talk about the Detroit Lions draft picks and also gives us a sneak peek on some quarterbacks that could possibly come out next year. All on episode 184 of the Pride Podcast. With the seventh pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select... Panay Sewell, tackle, Oregon. He's gonna run it straight in! Jared, goal! Yes. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! DJ Hawkins, yes. they did it! They tied it! They're an extra point away from winning this game! Oh, baby, how big is that? Yo, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Pride Podcast, episode 184 on the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Tyler. Join me with my two guys, as always, Malcolm, Pierre. How are you boys doing tonight? Woo! I'm doing well, man. What's up with you guys? Doing well, man. We got a very special guest. Um, we're going to talk to our man, our main man, Jordan Reed. This is, I believe, his third or fourth time coming on, and you know, after the NFL draft, the Detroit Lions draft, the first draft for Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell, we have to get the best in the business. That's Jordan Reese. So, Jordan, how you doing, my man? What's going on, guys? It's a pleasure being back. Thank you, guys, as always, for having me. Yes, sir, man. It's always a pleasure having you on. So, uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. For sure. So, let's get into the Lions' first pick. Let's not waste any time. And this was my second overall favorite prospect, but I want to hear from the man himself, Jordan Reed. So, the Lions at the pick number seven, no trade up, no trade back. They go out and get Penai Sewell from Oregon with the, with the seventh pick overall. What's your thoughts on that? I loved it. I thought it was one of the best picks in the first round, and I'll tell you why. Um, whenever you're talking about a rebuild for a team, just because I think this is – I mean, let's just be honest. You guys know whenever I come on here, I try to keep it as real as possible when we're talking about going through a rebuild okay. with the team. I think with Brad Holmes, you always want to have that signature pick. This is his very first time being a GM. This is his very first time, um, as far as in the draft room, navigating everything for himself. So he wanted to make that pick that I think was as safe as possible. And, you know, there's never no pick that you know is just going to pan out. But Penesu, I thought he was one of the most safest prospects in this draft class. And you always – I never have a problem with a team that wants to build a strength on a strength. And I knew 
the Lions offensive line was one of the stronger points as far as on the roster um, from top to bottom. And he saw a situation at right tackle where he felt as if they could upgrade. Um, and I know people are making a lot out of him switching over to the right side. I don't make a huge deal out of it just because I think Taylor Decker is very underrated. I think we're seeing that now. There's not a lot of people that really understand how good Taylor Decker is. So um, I really like what Holmes was able to do with the Panay pick just because now if Gomp doesn't pan out, you have a situation of where you could drop a quarterback into a really nice situation and you don't have to worry about um, having to fortify the protection in front of him. Real quick, Jordan, where was he on your big board? Um, he was my third ranked player. So I had third Trevor rank. Lawrence, I had Pitts, and then I had Sewell after that. Yeah, yeah. I have another question, wow. Jordan. Um, would you like, with the prospects that came out last year and this year, would he still be your number one tackle coming out? Like if you combine it with last year's class? So I had it. He probably would have been behind um, Jedrick Wills and then also Tristan Wirfs for me. Um, and I know a lot of people throw out the tag generational. I don't really like to use that term with prospects, really. And Panay was really good, but I think he's along the similar lines as what we saw from that 2020 class of where we saw the top with Andrew Thomas, Wills, uh, Wirfs, and then Beckton. I think he probably would have been right in the middle of all those guys. Okay, nice. Then in the second round, the Lions continued building the trenches. They took Levi Owanzuruki in the second round. What are your thoughts on him? How do you think he fits? I like him a lot. And I always say, when in doubt, just fortify the trenches when you're talking about rebuilding a team. And that's exactly what Brad Holmes was able to do. And, you know, through the first three or four rounds, he really took all trench players in a sense. And Owanzuruki definitely was a really good player. And, you know, just watching him during the senior bowl practices, he was only there for one day. I mean, you could tell when the guy looks like uh, a first or second round prospect, he just looks different from every, everybody else. And I was listening to Holmes. I forgot what podcast it was. He said he actually tried to trade back into the first round and get almost a Rike. So they were really high on him coming out. But I think that was a really good pick for them. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how he tries to navigate away from some of the defensive personnel that they do have, getting away from what Matt Patricia had on the roster. He saw he was trying to fortify some stuff along the interior. So it seems as if he's right. going to start from the inside out. Detroit doubled down on defensive tackle. They took Aline McNeil in the third round. What does he bring to Detroit? Well, he's definitely a high-character guy. Um, I actually knew – well, I didn't know him personally, but I knew of Aline coming out of high school. I, I live in North Carolina, so he, he's right in my backyard, uh, NC State. Uh, there's no bad things that anybody had to say about him in the building. Very athletic, was a big-time baseball player actually coming out of high school. He had offers from everywhere. I think he played first base, and he played a little bit of outfield as well. So he, he was a super athletic guy coming out. Uh, he had a pick six against Virginia, I believe it was, of where you were able to see his athleticism a little bit on display. I think he's going to be a day-one um, contributor. I wouldn't say starter. He'd be a day-one contributor as far as a one technique. I think he's able to do that uh, consistently, and I think it's going to be a really nice tandem between those two guys along the interior with McNeil and Onwazurike. So we know Brad Holmes really wants to be strong up the middle, and once again, um, you know, he, he wants to be strong in the trenches. And like I said, when in doubt, just build from the inside out when you're talking about overhauling an entire roster. So, so I knew McNeil played baseball, but and they showed the highlights on draft day, but the outfield and, and getting multiple offers out of high school, I didn't know that. That's very, very interesting, and just shows his athletic ability, especially his big body. Real quick question about Ali McNeil, 54. How ugly is that number on Ali McNeil as a defensive tackle? 
<laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. Any 50s <laughs> or 70 numbers is bad on defensive line. I agree 100%. Thank you, Jordan. Okay. God, you always bring that up, man. It's just disgusting, dude. I mean, that's something that has to change. He's going to rock it. I might get a jersey. We'll see. Oh, that's ridiculous. Okay. Um, let's go on to the second third round pick, which they got in the Matthew Stafford deal. Um, it was actually Brad Holmes's comp pick from him leaving the Rams. They got that back in return. Brad Holmes got an Stafford deal. They went out with a little bit more of an interesting pick, a little position, kind of like the offensive line where they have a lot of depth. The uh, cornerback position with the 5 2 Melifangu. Um, you know, what type of prospect is Detroit getting here? And, you know, uh, did, did you like this pick for the Lions for, you know, after drafting Akuda last year? Amanio Wari had a pretty solid year last year, pretty solid rookie season as well. So, what's your thoughts on Melifamo? Yeah, I liked him a lot coming out. I think I had a third round grade on him coming out. Uh, very promising prospect. And I think once people really started to detach him away from his older brother, I think they really started to respect the traits that he did have. Everybody knows his older brother's Obi Melifamo, who didn't really pan out second round pick from the Raiders a couple years ago so very athletic uh, just go and watch him against Carolina him and Deami Brown had a really nice battle when they went against each other I thought that was one of his better games of the season I think he has a lot of promise he is a little bit raw in a sense but you know he has the athleticism has some work to do on his technique but I'm really interested to see how him and Akuda grow together I think Akuda is going to be much better next year I mean <laughs> he honestly couldn't be any worse than what he was a year ago but you know, cornerback is a hard position to transition to. I think it's one of the harder ones outside of quarterback. And then, of course, offensive line, too. So I think Akuda will be better next year. And I think he's going to be a really nice nice depth piece for them initially. And that could turn into a starter, depending on what happens with him and a warrior. I think that's going to be a really good battle between both of those guys. They're a little bit different stylistically. But as far as body types, I think they're very similar. But I think walking through the door, I think Melifonwu has what it takes to eventually overtake him. Does Melifonwu add versatility to you, which I mean is as playing potentially a safety position? Because that's a position right on the lines that they just didn't address all offseason. And I know they got time, obviously, to start of a rebuild. But, you know, he's obviously a bigger size corner, 6'2". But do you see that versatility to potentially maybe being a safety at, at some point in his career? He's never done it before, so I can't really speak on that, honestly, just because it's really tough to project somebody moving back, in a sense, uh, to a different plane or a different level of the defense. I think he'll be fine at corner. I think he showed a lot of promise there. I was really surprised he went as late as he did. I thought there was going to be some teams that really fell in love with the traits, um, but it really just shows how raw a lot of people or a lot of teams thought he was in a sense. So I, I think he could be fine at corner as far as your number three guy initially, and then it, it, maybe he could turn into that number two guy opposite of Akuda. So I would let him play it out at corner, and I expect him obviously to address safety, hopefully anyway, in the next draft. Fair enough, fair enough. So the Lions finally took a wide receiver to Ross St. Brown in the fourth round. Why did he fall to the fourth round? And then also, what do you think he'll bring to Detroit? No idea. I actually have no idea why he fell to the fourth round. <laughs> I, I would have took him in the second round, honestly. I was that high on him coming out. It reminds me a lot of Golden Tate, uh, honestly. I think he has a very similar body type um, as far as a possession guy that I think is probably going to have to play inside for the most part. And I know that name definitely rings a bell with you guys with how much success he yeah. had in Detroit. But just to paint a picture of how good I think Amira can be. And I thought his quotes was really interesting when I was reading an article about him saying that he's coming in to take positions. And I mean, it's a clear cut area for you to come in and contribute right away. So there's right. not really a lot of guys' positions that you're going to take. So I think he's going to be force fed a little bit early on. 
so I expect him maybe not to have a super big year, but I think we're going to see a lot of flashes from him on the inside and the outside just because, I mean, just looking at the Lions' depth chart at wide receiver is really, really bad right now, man. Right. Uh, so I think this is a situation of where he can step in and be a contributor right away. Do you think that he could, like, oversee, like, Cephas, like, this year as far as, like, in a slot role? Uh, I think so. Well, I honestly think so just because I think he's a much more dynamic player than what Cephas is. Um, Cephas is a, a super fast guy or a fast guy any at all, honestly. But no. uh, I, I think Amara just brings a little bit more dynamic um, and explosiveness to the position. And then, of course, uh, this is kind of like an unwritten rule in the NFL. Whenever you draft a guy, um, somebody that you really hand-selected, um, you're probably going to push them up the depth chart a little bit more. And it's kind of a, a little bit of a political thing, right. quote-unquote. But whenever you select your guy, you want to show that you were right about that guy. So they're going to give Amara playing your chances, and that's why I think he's probably eventually over, uh, eventually going to overtake Cephas. Got you, got you. If you love listening to us here on the Pride Podcast, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you just want to host a podcast and you don't know where to start, Hustle is a perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover arts, Q&A's with BlueWire's top podcasters and access to our community discords and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of all that, we'll get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all listening platforms. And the best part is, you get all of this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate as any hosting website will charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard and hustle. The acceptance of this program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check the description box in this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com join. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, so Detroit traded up to draft linebacker Derek Barnes. What, do you, what are your thoughts on him and how does he fit with the Lions? Yeah, I, I thought this was a position that I thought they probably would have attacked a little bit earlier just because the, the linebacker core was so bad last year, man. They had those big plugger, two-down type guys. 
Um, they just had to – I think they just needed to get more speed in that area. And Derek Barnes does bring that. You know, I think they need to get some more guys with instincts just because I think that was the one quality that none of the linebackers had last year. They had some speed guys, but they just didn't have guys that could read their keys and attack downfield and then just – they weren't able to consistently hold up in coverage. And I think it was like the Thanksgiving Day game, if I'm not mistaken, of where – their linebackers just got ran circles around um, during that game. So, and there was plenty of others as well. So they needed to add yeah, many speed. games, uh, <laughs> add some speed on the second <laughs> level. But they needed some instinctive types of guys that can step down and just be consistent against the run and in coverage as well. Three down guys in a sense. So Barnes is going to give you a special teams guy, but also I think he's going to be a little bit better as far as instincts in that nature. So linebacker and then also safety. I think those are definitely two positions that are going to be high for Holmes to address next year. All right, so going on, because the Lions didn't have any uh, fifth or sixth round picks, obviously they used that fifth round pick on Derek Barnes. So now going into the seventh round, which was very close to Mr. Irrelevant, uh, I think three picks away from Mr. Irrelevant, they went out and get Jamar Jefferson from Oregon State running back and obviously drafted Swift last year in the second round. He signed Jamal Williams to a pretty nice contract in the offseason. Um, you know, you're bringing a guy like Jamar Jefferson. Is this more of a camp body, a guy competing for the RB3 spot? What, what's your thoughts on Jamar Jefferson? You know, the Lions running back room is kind of, I don't want to say awkward. It's a little bit weird in a sense. I'm, I was a big fan of DeAndre Swift, but it seems like they hate DeAndre Swift for whatever reason. I don't know what it is. Um, bringing in Ty Gurley, um, you know, some of the other things that they have did in the running back room, I'm just hoping they give Swift a bigger role this year just because I think he, he, he can be a budding star. I think they signed Jamal Williams as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how everything pans out uh, with the running back room. But Jamar Jefferson, he – he does have a steep mountain to climb as far as the depth chart. He has some bodies in front of him that are really talented. We'll see what happens with the Gurley situation, how that unfolds if they do end up signing them. But if they do end up signing Gurley, it's just going to be a really uphill battle for him to eventually uh, maybe even make the roster in a sense just because they have some really talented players already in the room. But Jefferson's a really talented guy. I thought he would run a little bit better than what he did uh, at his pro day. I think he ran like 4.55 or 4.6. That really surprised a lot of people. I thought he looked much faster than that on tape. Speaking real fast on Todd Gurley, if you do bring in a guy like Todd Gurley, what would you expect his role to be in the Lions? Like, Could he be a a, a RB3 on the team? Like, Do you think he fits that role? Your guess is good as mine. (laughs) Honestly. so what happens a lot of times, guys, in the NFL, I mean, we already saw it with Jared Goff. Whenever somebody or a GM is in that room when they drafted a guy, they're going to bring them on the roster just because they know what they're getting in them. And right. I think that's one of the biggest reasons why Holmes has a lot of interest in Gurley, and I think that was one of the biggest reasons why he ended up targeting Jared Goff in the trade with the Lions, just because he was in the draft room when they drafted Jared, and then a similar case with Todd Gurley. So you know exactly what you're getting in these players. You have a working relationship with them already, and it, it just doesn't make sense, honestly, if they do end up signing Ty Gurley, just because I think the world of DeAndre Swift, I think he could be a really good player, but I just don't know, and I don't see the plan that they have for him right now if they do end up bringing Gurley in. I think the only thing that would make sense to me is if you bring a guy like Gurley, it would be like low guaranteed money, just give him a shot in, in camp and just see if he could you know, win the running back three spot at that point. I mean, I don't know. It, I, I agree, though, 100% with you. Other than the Sewell pick, who, which pick was your favorite for Detroit? I liked them doubling up at defensive tackle, honestly, just because, I mean, just putting myself in Brad Holmes' shoes, we know, like, there's so many different ways that, like, nobody of outside of the 49ers pick, honestly, at three, 
Detroit at seven was the next pick that nobody had no idea what they were going right. to do just because there's so many different ways that they could have went with the pick. You know, some people were saying that they could have took Jalen Waddle. Um, they could have went quarterback. I didn't think they were going to go quarterback just because Holmes was in the draft room with Goff. I just didn't see a situation of where he wasn't going to give Jared a chance to prove that he was going to be the guy. Um, but Sewell was another name that was floated out there and it ended up being him just because there's so many different ways that you could have started with this roster just because they have so many holes on it. But, yeah, I love them doubling up at defensive tackle um, just fortifying those trenches just because now you can build this team from the inside out. Um, they're probably going to take a quarterback high next year just because this is not going to be a very good football team next year. So they're probably going to be in the quarterback market if Jared proves he can't be the guy. Uh, and there's plenty of other areas that they could go as well. Wide receiver is obviously going to be a big need for them. Um, losing Marvin Jones and then also Kenny Galladay, which were massive losses for them. You're going to need some offensive talent. So Brad Holmes definitely has his work cut out for him. But, I mean, you get what, what a five- or six-year deal. Uh, they're showing a lot of uh, confidence in him right now. He seems to have a good working relationship with Dan Campbell as well, and they seem to be in it for the long haul. So I'm interested to see what he does for the future. All right. Okay. Jordan, what would you grade the Lions draft this year? I, I hate putting – draft grades on guys honestly you'll never see me put out a draft grade um, just because I just think it's unfair just because we don't know what these guys are going to turn into three to four years down the road but just basing it off of the players that I liked pre-draft and the players that they ended up with I think is a solid B honestly I love the Panay Sewell pick just because if anything you want to be strong up front and like I said I think if they do end up going the quarterback route if Jared doesn't prove to be the guy you drop him into a really, really favorable situation as far as his protection up front. They, you locked in Frank Ragnow for the foreseeable future. I think you're going to have two franchise tackles if Panay Sewell pans out to be uh, what we think he can end up being. You're good at the guard spots as well. And, I mean, you even have great depth. We'll see what happens with Tyrell Crosby. Maybe you can get some more draft compensation for him. I think he's a really good player. Um, I yeah. think he proved to be – he proved his worth last year. So, uh, I think this is a good situation for a quarterback to eventually – and I know I'm getting way ahead of myself as far as them targeting a quarterback, but uh, I think this is a good situation for uh, to drop a quarterback in. A young quarterback, you have Jared signed, I think, for two more years. Um, so he can be your bridge guy, and then you just start attacking the perimeter, and you're going to have loads of cap space as well. So Brad Holmes, uh, I like what he's doing so far, but just got to have patience because I think this is a three- to four-year rebuild, honestly, just because the offensive personnel is really bad right now and then you have some huge question marks on defense really quick like i know you talk about you know quarterbacks early in the draft next year can you give us like a sneak peek of like maybe some top guys that may go early in the first round i've been hearing some buzz about the florida quarterback um emory jones i've been hearing some buzz about him that he might have like a a, a borrow type year like is, is there can you give like a, maybe like a, a list of like maybe four guys that may go in the top top round next year yeah, so I haven't watched Emory yet. He's on my list to get to next week, but he's kind of only been a Wildcat quarterback in a sense. They haven't really let him throw the ball a whole bunch behind Cal Trash. They really rotated him early on in the season, but they kind of phased him out as the year went on just because of how well Trash was playing. So uh, I can't really speak on Emory right now, but three guys that I, I wouldn't say graded highly, but there's two I graded highly and one I'm really intrigued to see this year. Uh, the first one, obviously, is Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. Uh, he, he's the best of the bunch to me right now. Um, everybody's talking about this QB1 documentary on Netflix as far as some red flags that he has in his personality. I haven't watched it, so I can't really speak on that. But as far as the arm talent, uh, the charisma, uh, the attitude that he plays with, the competitive fire 
that he shows. I really like him. I think he, I think he's the best of the bunch right now. The next one will be Sam Howe from North Carolina. Uh, he's one I think is going to have a big year this year. He lost his top two targets um, with them being drafted this year. So it's really going to be, be interesting to see with him now having a bunch of young guys out there with him. Can he adjust and really uplift that supporting cast or lack of supporting cast that he has out there? So this is a big year for him. But one that I'm really intrigued by that I liked a lot was Malik Willis from Liberty. There's a lot of people really talking about him right now. So I think he's going to have a big year this year, transferred from Auburn. Uh, I think he's going to have a big year this year, and he's going to have a lot of eyes on him. Uh, Slovis from USC, he's okay. I think he played injured last year, so we'll see how he does end up doing this year. But he could end up being a first-round guy as well. All right, and then one more question just to wrap it up real quickly. Going back to this year's draft, um, if Devontae Smith is on the board, if the Lions chose the route of going a receiver over Panay Sewell, what would your reaction be to that? Would you think that would be smart, or how, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I always say you really want to start a rebuild from the inside out, honestly. And I think that's the blueprint that Holmes really started with. And, you know, I wouldn't have had a problem. Well, I wouldn't say I wouldn't have had a problem. It would have been a little bit questionable um, just because with the wide receiver pick, he's not going to have a lot of help. Um, He's not going to be growing with the quarterback. That's probably not going to be the quarterback of the future. And then I just like fortifying the trenches just because a rebuild doesn't matter until you get that quarterback spot right. No matter how good you are in any other area, nothing matters until you get that quarterback spot right. And you guys have seen that with Matthew yeah. Stafford. And it's kind of been like the reverse of that. Nothing's really be, Nothing really was good outside of Stafford for so many yeah. years. I, and I think it was yeah. 2009 when they drafted him. They just struggled to surround him with a good defense and then a running back as well. That's just something that he never had. But Nothing matters with the rebuild until you get the quarterback spot right. So that's why I said Brad Holmes, he, he's a hell of an evaluator of talent. He did a great job in the Rams uh, draft room, finding some late-round guys. That's really his specialty. Uh, he was fired up when they selected Panesu. I love seeing that energy and seeing those behind-the-scenes types of things with him. So we'll see what does happen. I mean, I'm really intrigued as far as uh, how he does build this thing up. But I think he's on the right track, and I like what he did in those first three rounds, doubling up on defensive tackle. And then getting Panesu, I think that was a great start to a reveal. All right, Jordan, I just wanted it out of your mouth. It was very soothing to hear that come out of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I appreciate you coming on again. It's always a pleasure, and you know you're you're gonna you're always welcome back, and you're gonna come back again. You know once it gets closer to draft season for sure. And you already mentioned it's probably gonna be a rough season, so we're gonna have to do it early next year. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank you again, Jordan, and I hope you guys all enjoyed this episode. It's always a pleasure talking to Jordan Reed. I know you guys love hearing Jordan Reed as well, so hope you guys all enjoyed this episode. And with that being said, hope if you guys could leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever the hell you guys are listening, it's always much appreciated. And I'm out, guys. Peace. All right, Jordan, before you go, where could they find you at? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Jordan underscore Reed. That's J-O-R-D-A-N underscore R-E-I-D. You can find my podcast, the Reed Option Podcast. Going to get it cranked back up here in about a couple weeks or so. Got some prospect interviews of 2022 guys lined up, and then I'm going to run my annual summer scout, uh, scouting the scout uh, uh, series that I do, just interviewing some guys and some respectable names around the industry, just giving a peek behind the curtain of their process as well. Then you can find me, of course, on Instagram at Reed Option. That's R-E-I-D Option. So uh, you can find me on pretty much any social media platform as well. That's such an awesome name. (laughs) (laughs) Such an awesome name. Reed Option. Man. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks for coming, Jordan. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Uh, I'm out. Peace. All right, I'm out. Peace.